6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of 1 Chronicles, chapters 14 through 17. And Chickeniah, chief of the Levites, was for song, and he instructed about the song because he was skillful. And Berechiah and Elkanah were doorkeepers for the ark. And Shebaniah and Jehoshaphat and Anthoniel, Amasai and Zechariah and Beniah and Eliezer the priests did blow with the trumpets before the ark of God. And Obed-Edom and Jehiah were doorkeepers for the ark. You know, the one thing I, one inference I draw from all of this, while we're not taking time to really get at all these names, it's clear that God keeps track of those that are worshiping him. And I think all of us that are in some service to him, we can be confident that our names too are recorded some appropriate place. So David and the elders of Israel and the captains of the thousands went, up, went to bring up the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord out of the house of Obed-Edom with joy. And it came to pass when God helped the Levites that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bullocks and seven rams. And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, and all the Levites that bear the ark, and the singers, and the Shekaniah, the master of the song with the singers, and David also had upon him an ephod of linen. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting, with the sound of the cornet, with trumpets and with cymbals, making a noise with psalteries and harps. Must have been a noisy time. It came to pass, as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David, that Michael, the daughter of Saul, that's one of his first, that's his first wife, looking out at a window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. We sort of presume that she mistook his zeal for exhibition, exhibitionism. And uh, so they, that was, that's the, I think, the last you hear of Michael, by the way. That's the, they didn't do well together. So, First Chronicles 16, they brought the they so they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it, and they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. Burnt sacrifices, you know, we, as as New Testament Christians, we read those terms probably without a lot of insight. And I'm not going to springboard from here into a whole review of the Book of Leviticus, although I encourage you, the Book of Leviticus isn't a book you read; it's one you study. It's the only book on holiness in the entire Bible, really. And uh, so I encourage you to double back on that and go through your notes, refresh your thing on that. When David made an end of the offering of burnt offerings and peace offerings, they're, they're, they're different, apparently. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Now, a burnt offering, the word is ola, which means ascending. The whole being is being consumed. It's regarded as the, all the offerings are burnt, but the ones that are wholly burnt, completely burnt, are regarded as having ascended to God while being consumed. Part of every offering is, of course, burned, but he, this is the, what really would be translated the whole burnt offering. It was the most frequent form of sacrifice. It's the only one mentioned in the book of Genesis by Abel and Noah and Abraham in Genesis 4, 8, and 22, respectively. And uh, Now, the law of Moses later will 
prescribe occasions and the manner in which burnt sacrifices were to be offered. There was a continual burnt offering in Exodus 29 and Leviticus 6. There was a burnt offering of every Sabbath, which was double the daily one. The burnt offering of every month. So we got every day, every month, every, uh, 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 every week and every month. Then you have offerings of Passover, a Feast of Shavuot, or what you call Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets. These are all, all have special burnt offerings. And of course, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And there are many others, many other special occasions. Now, peace offerings, the word is shalem, it's a different word in Leviticus 3 and 7. It's three kinds. It's Eucharistic or Thanksgiving. It's always Thanksgiving. It's voluntary. These are not required. They're voluntary. They're expressive of gratitude. The ones are legislated. These are optional. They're of your heart. In fulfillment of a vow is another thing. Expressive for many thanks for benefits and their free will offerings. Something spontaneously devoted to God. These are, that's the term peace offering. Anyway, moving on to Chronicles. And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one, a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. Well, that sounds pretty good. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, and next to him Zechariah, Jeel, Jemaroth, Sheel, Medatiah, Eliab, Benaiah, and this Benaiah you want to keep an eye on, and Obadiah and Jeel with psalteries and with harps. But Asaph made a sound with cymbals, and Benaiah also and Jehaziel, uh, the priests with trumpets, continued before the ark of the covenant of God. That Then on that day, David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. So now we're going to hear a psalm that'll really turn out to be a composite of three psalms in the book of Psalms. Uh, all written by David anyway, but he apparently tailored this one for the occasion. As follows, Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon His name, make known His deeds among the people. You know, calling upon His name, you know, we, we, we all think the third commandment has to do with vocabulary. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It has nothing to do with vocabulary. It has to do with ambassadorship. You take the name of the king and make sure you represent him faithfully and competently. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. So we're going to discover that the, from verse 8 to verse 36 in Psalm in the, First Chronicles 16 will be excerpted from Psalm 105, first 15 verses, Psalm 96, a dozen verses, and Psalm 106, a, a few segments. David, David continues, Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. We need to seek his face. You know, it's interesting. God, God is going to appear to Solomon later and give Solomon a very special promise for the country that we can claim. Second, Second Chronicles 7.14 If my people are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, God says. We need to understand what seeking his face is. Simple phrase. It's not a head trip. It's something far deeper. Seek his face. Seek his face continually, David says. Moving on. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. Remember his marvelous works. You know, it's astonishing to realize we live in a country in which our kids are inculcated to deny God's creation. And it shouldn't surprise us to discover that in the Scripture there's a very specific judgment 
that's pronounced on a, on a nation that fails to acknowledge him as creator. And that judgment is recorded in Romans chapter 1, from verse 20 and following, where God says, because they did not recognize me as your creator, I'm going to give them over to homosexuality. That's basically what he says. And when we see, I, I've always looked at homosexuality as a sin, a choice of the person. Now, obviously, there's people who have different views, but that's what the Scripture says. But I was shocked to realize that in the Scripture, homosexuality is also labeled a judgment of God against a country that fails to acknowledge Him as Creator. No, we should uh, re remember His marvelous works that He hath done, His wonders, and the judgments of His mouth. O ye seed of Israel, His servant, ye children of Jacob, His chosen ones, glory ye in His holy name, He admonishes. Seek His face continually. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. His judgments are in all the earth. The great, the big question I get asked as I travel across the country, why hasn't God judged America? Thomas Jefferson warned about that. I tremble for my country when I recall that God is just and that His justice will not sleep forever. Scripture says His judgments are in all the earth. Why are we sheltered from His judgments? We're certainly overdue. And most of us believe it's because of Genesis 12, because of our willingness to stand for the right of Israel's, the Israel's right to exist. I tremble when I think we may falter in that commitment. Moving on. Be mindful always of His covenant. We're going to talk about His covenant before this session's over. We cannot overemphasize the significance of the Abrahamic or Davidic covenants in the Scripture. God delights in making and keeping His promises. We need to understand what those promises are. Be mindful always of His covenant, the word which He commanded to a thousand generations. Wow. Even of the covenant which He made with Abraham, and of His oath unto Isaac, and hath confirmed the same to Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant. Everlasting covenant. It was not forfeited when they rejected the Messiah. It was unconditional covenants we're talking about here saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. Boy, the entire world is challenging that commitment today. David continues, When ye were but a few, even a few, and strangers in it, and when they went from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. Wow, that's prophetic. He suffered no man to do them wrong, yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm. I love that verse. It's out of Psalm 105, verse 15. I had a chance to, I was asked to step into an arbitration between two businessmen, both Christians, and one of them is a very prominent minister. And there was a dispute, they asked me to step in arbitrate, and I turned to the adversary of the minister, and I says, is this man anointed of God or not? He reluctantly and he admitted, yeah, I think he's anointed then touch not mine anointed, do my prophet no harm. And I arbitrated a separation of the two, that broke the enterprise into two halves. The minister involved was a guy by the name of Hal Lindsey. Touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. Well, we wouldn't think of doing that, would we? And yet we do every day. Every time we speak slander against a man of God. How often, how glibly, we sometimes criticize someone because we might disagree with them. 
if we stop and say, wait a minute, is he anointed of God or not? We may not agree with one of his views. He may be doing something we don't approve of, but we need to be very, very careful. Touch not my anointed. Do my prophets no harm. We can be critical constructively, carefully, cautiously, not, not with slander or libel. Be careful. Dangerous stuff we're dealing with here. Touch not mine anointed, do my prophets no harm. David continues, Sing unto the Lord all the earth, show forth from day to day his salvation. Declare his glory among the heathen, his marvelous works among all nations. For great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, for he also is to be feared above all gods. Indeed. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord hath made the heavens. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Give unto the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. The world also shall be stable, that it be not moved. Let the heavens be glad, and let the earth rejoice, and let men say among the nations, The Lord reigneth. And indeed he does. Let the sea roar in the fullness thereof. Let the fields rejoice in all that is therein. Then shall the trees of the wood sing out at the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. The trees are going to sing. I've heard trees sing in the fall sometimes. It's kind of fun. But I'm not, sure that's, I'm not sure that's what it means. The trees of the wood shall sing out the presence of the Lord, because he cometh to judge the earth. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy, what? Endureth forever. His mercies are fresh when? Every morning. His mercies are fresh every morning, and they do endure forever. And say, ye save us, O God of our salvation, and gather us together and deliver us from the heathen, that we may give thee thanks to thy holy name and glory in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. And <laughs> praise the Lord. So he left there before the Ark of the Covenant, as the Lord Asaph and his brethren, to minister before the Ark continually, as every day's work required. And Obed-Edom and their brethren, threescore and eight, Obed-Edom also the son of Jethun and Hosea the porters, and Zadok the priest and his brethren the priests before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high place that was at Gibeon, to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord upon the altar of the burnt offerings continually, morning and evening, to do according to all that is written in the law of the Lord, which he commanded Israel. We have really two high priests, Zadok and Abiathar. Because we have one at Gibeon and uh, one here at this tent shrine in Jerusalem. And so many people, it's not a big deal, but just be sensitive to that. And with them, Heman, Ejedethan, and the rest that were chosen, who were expressed by name to give thanks to the Lord, because his mercy endureth forever. And with them, Heman and Jedethan, and uh, with trumpets and cymbals for those that should make a sound, and with musical instruments of God. And the sons of Jethan were porters. And all the people departed every man to his house, and David returned to bless his house. So now we're going to shift a little bit into a whole other direction. Now it came to pass, as David sat in the house, that David was said to Nathan the prophet, don't confuse Nathan the prophet. Nathan the prophet you'll hear a lot of. There was also a son by the name of Nathan that is a different guy, and not important here, but just be sensitive to that. That David said to Nathan the prophet, Lo, I dwell in the house of cedars, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. And I love the way J. Vernon McGee, he thinks that it was raining outside right then. 
And here's David securing his palace that Hiram helped build. And he's thinking about the carcass out there in that tent, and it's rainy. But the Ark of the Covenant remaineth under the curtains. Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thine heart, for God is with thee. Big mistake. Nathan didn't do what he should have done, as you'll find out in a minute. Nathan shouldn't shoot off his mouth until he knows what God's will is. It sounded like a good idea. Boy, everything's going really great. We have this big celebration. Do all that's in your heart, for God is with thee. It came to pass that same night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell David my servant, Thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. Whoops. Wow. Nathan must have been set back. God continues, For I have not dwelt in the house since the day that I brought up Israel unto this day, but have gone from tent to tent, and from one tabernacle to another. Wheresoever I have walked with all Israel, spake I a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to feed my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedars? Now therefore thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from a sheepcote, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with thee, whithersoever thou hast walked, and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee, and have made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. Also I will ordain a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, and they shall dwell in their place, and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness waste them any more as at the beginning. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, moreover I will subdue all thine enemies. Furthermore, I tell thee that the Lord will, the Lord will build thee an house. He's gonna, he doesn't want David to build him a house. He's going to build David a house. And what he means there, the word house here means a dynasty, not a physical house. I'll build thee a house. And it shall come to pass that when thy days are, be expired, thou must go to be with thy fathers, that I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him, as I took it from him that was before thee. Here in Chronicles, it doesn't mention here, in Samuel, equivalent passage, it mentions Saul. He's talking about here. He took it away, took it away from Saul. But I will settle him in mine house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forevermore. Wow. So this is the Davidic covenant. It's commonly referred to in 2 Samuel 7, which is essentially exactly what we read here uh, in Chronicles. And what we've just read affects everything that follows. Everything that follows in the Bible and everything that follows in the history of mankind is impacted by 2 Samuel 7 or this past, uh, passage in Chronicles. It's the divine confirmation of a throne of the world in Israel, not just for Israel. It also confirms the perpetuity of the Davidic dynasty. A very famous event in Matthew 22, you may recall, where Jesus confounds the Pharisees. The Christ, whose son is he? Son of David. Well, how can David say, to say to my Lord, my, my Lord, he quotes Psalm 110. The my Lord, the possessive, that whole argument hangs on a yot, a, little, a single little thing that you and I think is an apostrophe. 
which put on Adonai makes it possessive. My, how can King speak of his son as my Lord? And they couldn't answer. They're confused. I love that. The Davidic covenant is unconditional. You can canvas the words and you won't find any condition that they have to fulfill to make it. This is an unconditional commitment that affects everything that follows. When there's a civil war and half the nation has just gone from bad to worse, they're wiped out. The other half isn't much better. But he won't wipe them out. He puts them in exile for 70 years for a very specific reason. We'll cover it when we get there. But they're promised to come back because of his commitment to David. And of course, the real reason this affects you and me is because of the messianic implications. Because obviously this is going to be fulfilled by none other than Jesus Christ. His whole commitment is, is the fulfillment here. These are the main key points. Divine confirmation of the throne of Israel. The perpetuity of the Davidic dynasty. The fact that the covenant is unconditional. And the messianic implications. Matthew 1.1 he speaks of the son of David, the son of Abraham is the whole point of it. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, is the title that he steps forward to take the seven seal book. So the, what I like to call the scarlet thread continues. God said in the Garden of Eden that salvation would come from the seed of a woman. That was, in other words, God would use mankind to redeem the whole creation. Specifically, through Abraham, a very, the specific nation, and Jacob, and then the tribe, Judah, and then, of course, David, the family. So we have the Abrahamic covenant, Genesis 17. We have it was promised to Judah specifically, Genesis 4, 9, 10. And then David was anointed by Samuel for Samuel 16. And David was aware of his election. We took the time. We should probably insert in your notes here, insert in your notes, to read Psalm 2 from end to end. A, a, a discussion between the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost over the future of the Son. And, uh, and of course, Psalm 110, that, Je that Jesus himself uses to confound the Pharisees. All the prophets attest to a Davidic Messiah. Isaiah 9, 11, Jeremiah 30, Ezekiel 34, 37, Amos 9, goes on and on and on. In fact, at the Council of Jerusalem, in Acts 15, when they have this big debate, James draws upon Amos 9 to point out this is exactly what God predicted, that he'd first call out a people of his name, the Gentiles, and then he would reestablish the tabernacle of David. Read, the, read that very carefully in, the, in the Acts chapter 15. So according to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. And David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And yet, this was a small thing in thine eyes, O God, for thou hast also spoken of thy servant's house for a great while to come, and hast regarded me according to the estate of a man of high degree, O Lord God. What can David speak more to thee for the honor of thy servant? For thou knowest thy servant. O Lord... For thy servant's sake, and according to thine own heart, hast thou done all this greatness in making known all these great things. O Lord, there is none like thee, neither is there any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard in our ears. That, in, that one nation in the earth is like thy people Israel, whom the God sent 
that God went to redeem to be his own people, to make thee a name of greatness and terribleness, by driving out nations from before thy people, whom thou hast redeemed out of Egypt. For thy people Israel didst thou make thine own people forever, and thou, Lord, becamest their God. Wow. How easy it is for us as New Testament Christians to ignore or overlook or fail to countenance the role of Israel in God's program, not just in the Old Testament, but in the future. One of the great tragedies in the Christian church today, widespread, virtually, I won't say all denominations, but certainly a majority of them, where they fail to understand the role of Israel in God's plan. And Paul hammers away at this in three chapters in Romans and elsewhere, that God is not finished with Israel. They're going, to, they're going to be the major players. For thy people, Israel, didst thou make thine own people forever, and thou, Lord, becamest their God. You won't understand the book of Revelation unless you recognize the Jewishness from chapter 5 to the end. The Jewishness is gone in the epistles, the New Testament, pretty much. There are three, the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. The distinctives. And uh, that all changes after chapter 4, book of Revelation. Strangely. It's very Jewish again. Book of Revelation has 404 verses, over 800 allusions from the Old Testament. The reason it sounds strange to our ears is because we haven't done our Old Testament homework. We as New Testament Christians need to understand our roots. Containing 1 Chronicles 17, verse 21, And what one nation in the earth is like thy people Israel, whom God went to redeem to be his own people, to make thee a name of greatness and terribleness by driving out nations from before thy people, whom thou hast redeemed out of Egypt. Indeed he did. For thy people Israel didst thou make thine own people forever, thou and thou, Lord, becamest their God. Therefore, now, Lord, let the thing that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house be established forever, and do as thou hast said. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of 1 Chronicles. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word.